Shalom, and welcome to the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations weekly Torah commentary series. I'm Chaim Dowerman from Brooklyn, New York. This week, we're discussing Parshat Bo. Our text begins in Exodus chapter 10. It's election season, which probably means it's also a high time for sales of antacids. But behind all of the anxiety, bluster, rhetoric, accusation, and partisan rancor is an earnest search. It's only natural and good that human beings should seek a trustworthy leader who will act in their best interests and lead them well. Sadly, the search for such political leaders in our day seems to almost always lead to disappointment for many, or even for most people. This makes the story of the Exodus all the more remarkable. It is not hard to understand why Moses looms large in Jewish history. Some 1,500 years after Moses' death, all of the Jewish world was groaning with anticipation and longing for a true leader, the Messiah, a prophet like Moses, who would lead them to victory and freedom. But in what respect would this prophet be like Moses? Parshat Bo may suggest an answer. At Exodus 11.3, we read, Adonai gave the people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. Indeed, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the eyes of Pharaoh's servants, and in the eyes of the people. This passage recalls earlier words from God and looks forward as well. First, at the burning bush, God tells Moses, Then I shall grant these people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians, so it will happen that when you go, you will not leave empty-handed, so you will plunder the Egyptians. Exodus 3, 21 and 22. We then see this idea brought to fruition in this week's Parsha. In Exodus 12, 36, we read, Adonai gave the people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians and let them have what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. So we see here the fulfillment of the first part of the promise in 11.3, which tells us Adonai gave the people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. But what about the second half of the verse? Indeed, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the eyes of Pharaoh's servants, and in the eyes of the people. Commentators tend to see this sentence as a mere fleshing out of the preceding statement, providing an explanation as to the means by which the people had favor. And while it may be offering us some helpful context, it also introduces an assertion that can be viewed separately from B'nai Yisrael's plunder of the Egyptians, that Moses was held in high esteem by Pharaoh's servants and by the Egyptian people. It's quite a thing to say when you think about it, Consider the havoc and destruction that Moses and Aaron had brought to Egypt, such that Pharaoh's servants, under the threat of further plagues, had appealed to Pharaoh, saying, Don't you realize yet that Egypt is being destroyed? Exodus 10.7 And yet, despite all this, we read that Moses was great in their eyes. Just as with the early part of Exodus 11.3, we see this latter part brought to fulfillment as well, this time in the form of the Erev Rav, or the mixed multitude. In Exodus 12, 37 and 38, we read, 
Then Bnei Yisrael journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot, as well as children. Also a mixed multitude went up with them, along with the flocks, herds, and heavy livestock. Who made up the Erev Rav? Scripture doesn't tell us specifically. Jewish tradition, however, describes them as being from among the people of Egypt. Interpretations abound, but for just one example, one Midrash identifies the Erev Rav as righteous Egyptians who took part in the Passover alongside the Hebrews so that they could join them in their march to freedom. This is in Shemot Rabbah 18. While we do not know for certain who made up this mixed multitude and how they came to follow Moses, what is clear is that although Moses had been sent specifically to liberate the Hebrews, his influence and leadership transcended his own community, casting a wider influence. When taking stock of Moses' impact, the hardness of Pharaoh seems all the more notable. Being sent by God, Moses had an influence that needed to be actively and steadfastly resisted in order to be turned away. In Pharaoh's case, that resistance was divinely reinforced. Now we return to our initial question. In what sense is Yeshua a prophet like Moses? The Torah identifies Moses' face-to-face relationship with God as a distinguishing factor that sets him apart from other prophets. We can read of this in Numbers 12, 6 through 8, and Deuteronomy 34, 10. But when it comes to finding the likeness of Moses and Yeshua, we need not stop there. The powerful influence of Moses, even among the Egyptians, points to a later messianic reality. In John 5, 46, Yeshua rather pointedly tells some disbelieving authorities, For if you were believing Moses, you would believe me, because he wrote about me. But since you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Later, in John twelve thirty two, he declares to an assembled crowd, As I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself. And indeed, through his atoning sacrifice, he makes a way for reconciliation with God for all who come to him, people from every nation, and not only those lost sheep from the house of Israel. Moses, too, drew multitudes, saving all those who were willing to follow him out of Egypt. We moderns are hardly unique in our difficulties in finding strong and lasting leadership. It is not a new problem. In his day, Moses pointed the way not only for B'nai Yisrael and the heir of Rav, but for a people not yet born, indeed for us. In word and in deed, he foreshadowed the revelation of an eternal king. This is Chaim Dowerman signing off and wishing you a Shabbat Shalom. For more commentaries like this one, visit umjc.org slash commentaries.